Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. I was telling Jake this morning, I was thinking about, um, the Lord was really speaking to me this morning about posturing our hearts and worship to him. And we have this amazing and exciting thing that we get to do where we get to boss our flesh around and we get to make the choice with our freedom of will to worship the greatest, most wonderful God. And sometimes that's hard to do. It's hard to come in and, and shed the things of the week, right? The, all the circumstances, all the hurts, all the times we blew it this week, it's hard to shed that. And a way that I love to get into worship is to go into the Psalms. And I have to, the Lord laid this on my heart for sure this morning. And I have to read to you about how wonderful he is. And if you will allow this to penetrate your heart easily, you'll be able to shed off the stuff from the week. Easily, you'll be able to worship how wonderful he is. I'm going to read from Psalms 103. God, I pray right now as I read your word, we posture our hearts and worship to you. We just, we're so thankful. You're so wonderful. And you're so real and you're so tangible, even in this room right now. And we may have blown it this week. We may have said the wrong things. We might have, there's just so many things, Lord, that make our hearts heavy. But praise God that you are God. Like, praise you that you are God. And you're so much bigger and so much greater than all those things. Lord, let this word penetrate our hearts. Let it burn within us, Lord. Let this word burn within our hearts and change us. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. Here it goes. I'm going to tell you what he does for you. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. You are crowned this morning if you are a believer in love and in tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My, life, my youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He'll make everything right. That's what that's saying. If you're being treated unfairly, he'll make it right. It, he will. It's a promise. He revealed his character to Moses 
and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and he is merciful and he is slow to get angry and he is filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love toward those who fear him as is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as us from the east is to the west. The Lord is like a father. Yeah, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are all only dust. How lovely and how merciful of him, right? Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we're gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant and those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there, I want to run a lap when I read this word. I don't know about you all. I get so excited when I read about the Lord. The Lord has made the heavens in his throne. From there, he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels. You serve him and you do his will. Praise the Lord. Everything that he has created, that's you. That's me. Everything that he's created, let's praise the Lord. Everything in his kingdom, let all that I am praise the Lord. That's the God that you've come to worship this morning. So it doesn't matter how bad you've blown it this week. It does, I mean, repent, please. I mean, make that right before the Lord. Please make that right. And this is our time. This is our time to come before the Lord. If you've done stuff this week, come to the altar and give that to the Lord. Don't you see? He's merciful and he's compassionate. His, his word doesn't lie. This is who he is. If you're burdened, come give it to him. Lord, we love you. We love you. We worship you. You're so good. You're so good, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil told me for you. You silenced the boast of sin and The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Cause yours is a kingdom, yours is a glory, yours is a name above all names. What a powerful name. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ. Our King. 
What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil torn before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal now and forever. God you reign cause yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus Christ what a powerful name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is there's 150 psalms is that right thousands upon thousands of verses what psalm did you read out of earlier 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who health at all, who healeth all thy all I'm sorry, I messed up. I'm diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with thy love and kindness and tender mercies. As far as from the east is to the west, for he hath removed our transgressions from us. We don't serve a God of coincidence. <laughs> when she said Psalm 103, I said, girl, what in the world are you doing? I said, just preach it. I don't even know if we'll get to that, but that's in my notes. And I thought, praise God, this confirmation. 
Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some high praise? High praise. Come on, y'all. Why not praise him? Listen, why not an extended praise? You know what? Keep praising him. Let me just, let me reassure you of something. In the Old Testament, God would bring in a new king, and you would find that they would, some of them would tear down the groves or cut down the groves, but it's seemingly the high places always stood, and the high places were those places of worship to where uh, they would still leave in place. Can I tell you, I've seen much of that today. It's the high place that you have to conquer today. It's the high place. Man. (laughs) I got a question. Has God ever done anything good for you? How many of you believe that he's got more than he wants to do for you? Now, what he did for you, why can't he do that for somebody else? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I'm going to put on these glasses and immediately my IQ jumped 20 points. And by the way, I don't know whose glasses these are, but thank you for leaving them up here for me. I appreciate it. Are these a pair of your old ones? <laughs> well, I'm going to wear them all the time. The Word of God says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Same thing came, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. It's a new word. It's something different. For he taught them as one having authority. Say authority. Authority. He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Come on, y'all pray with me. Father, we love you today. We're so thankful for your word. So thankful for the power of your word. And God, today, I believe that your word is far-reaching. I believe, God, that your word, since it is light, darkness cannot repel it. So, Father, today, even the darkest of souls that may have come in here today, I believe that your light is going to reach that dark cellar of that soul. And I believe you're going to set them free. I believe today, God, everything in your word. And God, today, humbled to think of it as such a grand narrative of your son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But it's your word that you sent that you said it would not return void. 
So God removed me from the equation. Anoint these lips of clay that I may bring forth your word in such a way, God, that it would bring honor and glory to you and no other. I love you, Father. You're amazing. Jake, if it's okay, I'll let all of them go and I'll keep you up here and let you pedal for a moment. Could you do that for me? Just so. I'm going to ask today, humbly, would you give me five minutes? Evidently, the piano thought so. Have you ever stopped to think, and, and this is the thing, and if I could just share my heart, my soul with you today. There's times in life to where you wish you just had five more minutes. And five minutes is what you take for granted until you know it may be the last five minutes that you have. You need to understand this, that those five minutes mean everything. The first five minutes when you meet someone will determine much of the book that you read, even though you may just be reading the cover. And the last five minutes that you spend with somebody can become the most dear that you could ever know. Throughout the years, I've thought and uh, I've thought of just how important five minutes is. That's the reason I ask you for five today. Today, I want to speak to you. We'll let the Holy Ghost lead us, of course, but I want to talk to you about what you're building on. Is your house being built on the rock? There's a lot of rain descending. There's a lot of floods that are coming. And just as I equated last week, many times God will use natural things to convey spiritual things to us. And I think we can truly see that God and the forces of nature are much greater than the forces of men. But there's no greater force, and this is the one that when I look at what man, or when I look at what God can do through the forces of nature, and whether or not you ascribe that to God, or whether or not He relinquishes that to the enemy to bring Him glory, I think we arrive at that destination. Yet the one thing that He, he seemingly cannot break, He is your will. And it's so profound to me that how the one that put every star into place and the galaxies that he knows about and now there's that new telescope that's not even the Hubble and whatever else there is and they got all of that and we can send buggies to Mars or we're sending rovers to Mars, all this stuff and everything. And Yet the God that created all those stars and somehow named them every one and here he is, man. He does all of that. And yet the thing that he seemingly does not break or does not move upon, Amy, is our will. And somebody says, why is that so critical? i got about three more minutes. Why is that so important? Because the will of God is tied to the love of God. And when you and I can come to a place 
to love God automatically but not robotically. And when loving God becomes just as natural as putting one foot in front of the other, that's when my God becomes God. I, I was messing. Boy, this morning in my prayer time, I thought, you're the peace that passes all understanding. You're the promise that cannot be broken. You're the king with all authority. You're the blood of the lamb that bought and paid for my sins. And Amy, I just begin to just cascade, just take my time. I thought you're the salve that put a marriage back together. You're the healer that not only heals broken arms, but broken hearts. And I thought this is that when I begin to look, and when I say this, when I'm building on this foundation, it's the thing that we have to look at is that we really need to build on the love and purpose of an almighty God. I watch and have for (laughs) that quarter of a century. I've watched as people have held on to the pew, but the pews really are the seat. That's really not what they're holding on to. They're holding on to sin. They're holding on to whatever else because it's become the only thing that they can count on and the only thing seemingly that is there. I want to encourage you today to let go of you and grab on to God. When Jesus said this, he said, for the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew. And you're familiar with this piece of scripture. And that first house stood because it was built upon a rock. What are you built upon? Church, as I, must, as, as I begin to think about our personal lives, I, I need to start here with what this house is built upon. It's not by chance that there's no name represented here that there's no plaques, that there's no name tags, that there's no this, there's no that in memory of. There's really not even a name on the sign to say who preaches here. Why? Because this is God's house. This is God's house. This is His place. I would stand in great fear today to think that anything else could be or would be other than it to be His. We've allowed ourselves to make his house more of a production than it is about presence. We've allowed ourselves to get into a place to where and we, we have a Sunday foundation only defined by Wednesday that we're tore apart, tore down and everything else and crying out to God and say, what happened? It's the fact that God has to be more than Sunday. He has to be more than even Monday and Tuesday. He's got to be 24-7, 365 days a year. This is the foundation that we must lay. Because the rains are coming. No, excuse me. The rain is falling. The floodwaters are rising. And can I tell you, unless the church is built on a rock, it will be swept away by the currents of culture and the currents of politics and the currents and the ideologies of men, women, and professors, and anybody else. I stand today before you and declare that this is God's house. This is God's house. The Word of God says this in 1 Timothy 3.15, that as Paul is speaking to the young preacher, 
Luke, he calls him his own son in the faith. He speaks to him and he says this, but if I tarry long, I may be a little while, you know, he's dealing with some prison time, <laughs> that thou mayest know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. When we begin to talk about God's house, it's got to be this. It's got to be the church of the living God. Listen, God's not the God. We're not here to build a funeral home. We're here to, we're here to worship the living God, a true God, a God that still moves in the midst of peril, in the midst of tribulation, and in the midst of trouble. We're the ones that stand and declare, our God is alive, He's well, and He's still saving people. It's the church of the living God. Not a church built on religion and not a church set up by the worldly priests of this world. Absolutely not. But I tell you what, I believe that God is still using anointed men, women, and children to progress and to push forth this precious word of God. I believe it. And if the adults won't do it, God will raise up children in their stead that are hungry and they're on fire for God and they don't care what adults think. They're going to worship God Almighty. This is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. When I think about that, you say, is your church built on pillars? I said, it must be. we got a lot of people that fall asleep during the service. I said, this is the bridge too. But somebody said, what's your church like? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, what's it like? I said, it's like heavy equipment. They said, what do you mean? I said, we got a lot of dozers. You know. That may be authentic. I don't know. But let me say this. The church of the living God. The pillar and the ground of the truth. Can I tell you the reason that lies are spreading throughout the world is because the truth has, listen, church, the truth has got to be put forth today, not tomorrow. We can't spend another second. We can't, we can't spend any, any iota of time because the lies of the enemy are, be, are being spread so fervently by hell's wickedness and through the demonic forces of the enemy and through the mouths of those that behind a smile, maybe even a million-dollar smile, they're telling how we should love. Can I tell you, God loves us enough to tell us the truth. And there's enough grace that when you meet the truth for you and I to make it home to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and God the Father. The pillar in the ground of truth. When I begin to think about the pillar and the ground of the truth, I think about houses that were built years ago, Chad, and as they were built, what would happen is that if they built those on the ground, the beam around the bottom, the band, if you will, if it was built on the ground, it would eventually decay. And you could see that, and the house would begin to shift, and the floors would begin to, to move, and, and things would begin to divide. All of those things would happen. But if you look, there can be houses that can be as much as a year old. And if the beam is right, and they're put up on the rock, and they're put on those pillars of the rock, 
Those houses are still standing. Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm telling you right now that it's time for us to go to the rock that is higher than I. It's time for us to believe in that rock that saved us and sealed us. It's time for us to believe on nothing else other than Jesus Christ and this grand narrative of the Word that doesn't just speak His name, but that preaches His name. Hallelujah. The Word of God says this when it speaks of the Philadelphia church, which is number six out of the seven given in the, in, in the chapters two and three of Revelation. It says this about that church in Philadelphia, the Phileo church, the brotherly love church. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my, of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I'll write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I'll write upon him my new name. Why is there relevance in that? Let me ask you all something. Have I got any overcomers in the house of God this morning? Have I got anybody in the house this morning that has overcome sin through the power and through the blood of Jesus Christ? If you have, then why don't you give Him praise today? Why don't you thank Him today? Listen, you're not, you are an overcomer. You need to let hell know that you're an overcomer through the blood. Have I got anybody that will stand for Jesus and declare right now that I'm an overcomer? We need some pillars in the house. Keep on praising Him. We need some pillars and overcomers in the house of God. That listen, that underachiever that may have just walked in and said, my life is always going to be this. How many of you can declare, I'm an overcomer? You don't have to live like that anymore. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Remain standing. We're not done praising Him just yet. Can we still give Him praise? Let's give Him praise. Let's give Him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. I love you. I love you. You can have a seat. If you can. We're living in a mix right now between the Philadelphia church and the Laodicean church, which you've heard me preach before. From the open door to those that are lukewarm. Listen, if we're not going to make a difference, close the door. Close all of them. I don't know, Bobby, how many doors? I bet there's 30, 40, 50 doors in this joint. But if we're not here to make a difference, Lord, shut the door to this place. But can I tell you, and this may shock you, that listen, if the homosexual walks in this door, that lifestyle, the lesbian lifestyle, the drug addiction, the sin-filled life that Brother Wayne had, that listen, that anything, whatever that it may have been, thief, murderer, whatever, can I tell you, that door is open to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord so that they may be... Come on, y'all. Have I got any overcomers in the house that want to leave the door open? By the way, that door is left open for a reason. That when you leave here, you won't be locked in here all week. You'll go out and listen. You'll be the church. I'm telling you right now 
I've heard more Christians. I've been part of it. So I'm going to be very transparent before you. I have said enough about what the enemy is doing and what he's done. I've spent more time talking about oppression, talking about depression, talking about how the enemy is pushing back. I'm here to declare today that our God is alive and the devil is defeated in Jesus' name and we are overcomers through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. We've got to build a foundation, a pillar that is built on the rock. I love this passage of Scripture. School just started this week for here in Grayson County in HCA. It said, I write upon in my name of God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of the city comes down, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I write upon him my new name. My mind went to this this week, Pat. My mind went to this thought that as I was pondering that, you school teachers know, got a bunch of, by the way, can we thank God for all of our teachers in this place today? HCA, our local school system, we thank God for you. We want you to know that we are praying for you to be bold as a lion, harmless as a dove, and wise as a serpent. We're praying for you. I'll write upon them my name. I got thinking about that this week, that when there's that many kids that come to school, you, when you're in the first grade and you're getting on a bus, you don't know the way home. And what these teachers used to do, and I think they still do, is that when it's time for the buses to come up, they'll put the bus number on that child. And they'll know which bus to get on and which route that's running. You're like, preacher, what's that got to do with me? I got a number on me that says, this boy knows where home is. There's a name written on me and written on you, and his name is Jesus Christ. It ain't going to be returned to sender. It's going to be returned to my maker. And I want to tell you right now, you need to know. You need to know where you're going to spend that eternity. I got a lot more to get to. By the way, can I have another five minutes? I've already... All right, let me move on. Give me another five minutes. Give me another five. Overcomers. Overcomers. Three types of ground I want to talk about real quick. Real quick. First piece of ground that I talk about, he said you got to build on the rock or the sand. I want to talk about sinking sand. Have you ever been to the beach? Okay. Amy loves the beach. And since Amy loves the beach, I love her and I love the beach. Because I was thinking about sinking sand and I'll get to shifting sand. All this kind of ties in together. But I began to think about sinking sand. And it's been two or three years ago, and this is going to be vague as I speak it. But there was a man, I believe it was in Florida. I told you it was vague. I believe it was in Florida. He built his house, beautiful, nice home, all of this. Maybe it had been there for a long time. He had no idea when he bought the home. But you'll remember this from two or three years ago that there was a sinkhole under that man's home. And that ground fell from out underneath it. Remember that, Nancy? And it fell. And to my knowledge, which can be limited, to my knowledge, they never found him. And to my knowledge, they never found the house. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about sinking sand. That there are many people today that are building over things that they don't even realize. And one of these days, 
maybe in the middle of the night because you've not been built on the rock. Your life can be required of you. And instead of going up, you ultimately go down. What about this shifting sand? What about this type of sand? That when it says that, I was thinking about standing on the beach. And, and as I was standing there, Amy, I, I remember the, the waves coming in. And the way that if you just stand there, you can feel the sand kindly move under your feet, Rick. You can feel that. And it shifts as the waves come in. What's that got to do with us? This is what you're dealing with all around you today. Because the currents and the tides that are coming in. Master Chief are continually eating away that if you're not built on the rock, it will continue to eat away at where you're at. And if your life is built on opinion, if your life is built on cultural type things, if your life is built circumstantially, if it's built on preference, in such a way to where it has no stability, it will fall. I got a question that'll lead to at least three more. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ, some 2,000 years ago, walked the face of this earth? If you believe that, raise your hand, shout amen, just somehow acknowledge. How many of you believe that that same Jesus that walked this earth? died on a cross called Calvary and gave his life for whosoever will, let him come. If that's you, you can shout amen, say hallelujah, just affirm by anything if you believe that. How many of you believe that this same Jesus was buried, was buried in the ground? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that on the third day he arose? I said, how many of you believe on the third day that he arose? And he kicked the devil right in the teeth and declared that I am life. Hallelujah. Woo. I'm not done. You can be seated. Now number three or four leads into five. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ was seen by over 500 people? Those 40 or 50 days from that time to the time of Pentecost there. How many of you believe they were seen by that many? You believe that? If you believe that, say amen. Where would I get that at? The Word of God. 1 Corinthians 15. How many of you believe that not only that when the angels said, why do you stand gazing? <laughs> Where's Charlie at? Charlie gets like this. Charlie, me and you get like that the same way. The book of Acts, as they were there, they said, Why stand you gazing? Ye that you are looking for, the one that you've seen leave is going to come back in like manner. Hmm. Stay with me. How many of you believe? That Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I right now. Praise God. If you believe all of that, give God some praise. I believe every bit of it. I believe every bit of it. Do you know the world wants to tell you that you're a minority? I want to tell you that you're right and they're wrong. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Shifting sand. 
Well, other people don't believe that, Pastor. Other people don't believe that. My professor doesn't believe that. My dad no longer believes that. My mom no longer believes that. My child, my this, my that. Can you just switch that to my Jesus? And regardless of what they all say, as elementary as I'm preaching today, probably for myself, it's true. It's true. Why is that? Because Simon Peter in verse 15, after Jesus has said, Who do men say that I am? In Matthew 16, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And we know the words of Peter. Peter pipes up. He pipes up and he says this. And Simon Peter Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He didn't have a full revelation of who he was. But he knew he was the Son of God. There would be other things that would unfold. He would be dealing with doubt. He would be dealing with a lot of things in the the coming days, months. But who do you say that he is? Let me give you just a little bit here today and tell you what you're up against because I want to make sure that your foundation is sure today. If you're here and you're lost, i got to tell you that you're always near to my soul. But today, you've got to know that, man, and and you can call me whatever you want to call me. I've always had a heart for the lost. But today, church, I have a real heart for you, for you to solidify your walk and your foundation in Jesus Christ and make a true composite that will stand against the test that is coming, coming that is here right now. That regardless of what men say and men push, you have to believe today that Jesus Christ is everything that He said that He was. Why? Most adults... Excuse me, more than 9 out of 10 adults say Jesus Christ was a real person who actually lived. So you really were, you were part of the majority there when I ask you if Jesus Christ, if you believe that he lived as a man. 9 out of 10, 92% will believe that. It goes on to say this, while the percentage dips slightly among younger generations concerning the millennials, about 5% slip, agree that he lived. Americans are still very likely to believe that the man, the man Jesus Christ, once walked the earth. Well, listen, Islam will teach you that. Most historians, even professors that stand behind the desks that are funded by liberal theology and liberal ideology, that as they stand and proclaim to your child, that you have raised in the nurture and admonition, hopefully of the Lord and not just in church. Can I tell you something? Sunday school may be a good reminder, but can I tell you, if Sunday school don't bring Monday holy living, then we've missed it. Because your child is going to be bombarded with everything that the world has to offer. And they will look because reading out of their books of knowledge, as according to man, And this is seen as a fable tale, a fable and a fairy tale. Even professors will try to convince the rest of the class that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're an idiot. And you're believing a lie. If I could, I'd like to stop right here and say this. That death makes no liars. And I say that quite often. The moment you die you will know whether or not Jesus Christ, Ethan, will know whether or not he is real or whether or not he was a lie. Can I tell you something? I choose to believe the truth and the way and the life. I believe that, Todd. 
most adults, not quite six and ten, believe that Jesus was God. So now our percentage is dropping. That he was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. Somebody says, you know what? It's one and three, three and one. Can I tell you something? I know him as Father. I know him as Son. And I sure know the Holy Ghost. And somebody, we try to divide it when we should be unifying it. And we shouldn't be splitting hairs in that way. Somebody said this, whether it's going to a Unitarian church or those that maybe just believe in Jesus only, and I'll use that term very loosely in that fact. Somebody said, well, you know, and the thing is, I've got some friends that maybe our doctrine may differ a little bit, but this is what I know, and this is what I know they'll tell you, that we've been in church together, and we've experienced God together. So evidently, somebody may be making a bigger deal out of it than God does. I'll leave it at that. Not to condemn either side at all. Not six in ten believe that Jesus was God, while about one quarter say he was only a religious or spiritual leader like, like Muhammad or Buddha. So now we're beginning to drop really quick. Six won't believe that Jesus was God. They believe he was man, but they don't believe he's God. Then the rest, another quarter, believe that he was a leader like Muhammad or Buddha. And the remaining one in six say they aren't sure whether Jesus was even divine at all. Millennials are the only generation among whom them fewer than half believe that Jesus was God, some 48%. By the way, if you're under 40 years old, would you stand today, please? If you're under 40, would you please stand? The rest of you, don't be condemned. I'm not trying to... I want the rest of the church to look around you. You are considered usually a millennial is somewhere within the age of 18 to 40. I need to tell you, we are counting on you. God is counting on you. He's counting on all of us to carry the cross of Jesus Christ. He's counting on us to proclaim this precious gospel that if we die, you're going to live on and proclaim. Come on, somebody. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You can be seated. In the world, less than half or fewer than half believe that Jesus was God. About one-third of young adults, 35% say instead that Jesus was merely a religious or a spiritual leader, while 17% aren't sure what he was. Can I tell you, that is as real as it can be. I want to stay here for just a minute because this is what's happening within our churches. We are presenting Jesus as a mascot and not the Messiah. Listen, we want, listen, we want a mascot. We don't really want the Messiah, the Mashiach. Hamashiach, Him, that very one. He is the one. He's the one that they were looking for. And hallelujah, He's the one that found me and I found Him. Can I tell you something? He is the one that's able to change the course of a nation. So what is a millennial? I've said this before. I love millennials. I love you all. And I mean that, and the thing is, I've read before, and this is, this is it, and I don't look at all the statistics, how to reach them, how to do this or that. Can I tell you something? I want Jesus to be enough to draw anybody. Okay, I do. But I understand that the millennial is interested in where did I come from, what am I doing here, and where am I going when I die? 
And what happens is this. If the church does not present the precious gospel of Jesus Christ, they will look to the world. And guess what? Where did I come from? Well, I'll be honest. You were an amoeba. You don't realize that, but then you begin to evolve. This begin to happen. Why am I here for? You're here to promote this agenda. You're here. Well, what happens? Where do I go when I die? You just die. Or maybe you come back as something else. Can I tell you something? I don't want to come back as nothing else. We've got the answer. How many of you know the God that created you and where you come from? Now here, church, you've got to realize what you're here for. We are here to share the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, in sharing that precious gospel, I still believe that He heals the sick, raises the dead, blind eyes see, deaf ears hear. I still believe that He restores marriages. I still believe. And I try to make a point for that every Sunday. I know where I came from. We evolved, Brother Wayne. You know we evolved from monkeys. You believe, I say this so much, Amy, and you know where I'm going. You can believe in King Kong if you want to. I'm going to believe in King Jesus. Now listen, not only do I know where I came from, I know I'm here. I come with no doubt this morning when I walk through this door why I was going to be here, why, and for what purpose. I was going to be, Jenny, listen, I was going to be here to be with God's people. I didn't want to forsake the assembling of myself. I knew that if I'd been given the opportunity after we, hold on, let me back up. I knew that when I come in here, I was aimed to worship God. When I come in here, I was steadfast enough in my mind that, God, if I cry, I cry. That, God, if I raise my hands, I want to raise my hands. That, God, I come in here with a heart to, didn't you, did anybody else come in today with a heart to worship? Did anybody else come in with a heart to praise God? And I knew that if I had the opportunity, I was going to tell somebody about Jesus. I was going to preach His holy name. Was Jesus a sinner? About half of Americans agree, either strongly or somewhat, that while they lived here on the earth, Jesus Christ was human and committed sins like other people. I'll take half of that. How many of you believe that when Jesus was here, he was human? Five of you? How many of you believe that Jesus was 100% man? How many of you believe he was 100% God? Turn to somebody and say, I don't understand that, but I believe it. Somebody said, Brother Wayne said, you know, you say this and you say that. Can I tell you something? I never did really understand algebra, but I believe it. (laughs) I told y'all before, the only way they got my attention was when they mentioned pie. Let me move on. Just less than half disagree, either strongly or somewhat, that Jesus committed sins while on earth and 2% aren't sure. You know why that is? It's because man still commits sin. And they don't want a true God, a living God, a real God that is sinless, that is perfect. That even when Jesus was was there on the cross, everybody, if, if thou be the Son of God, then cast thyself down. People are still doing that today. That if you're the Son of God, come down from there. If you're really the King, come down and show Rome who you are. And show us. Little did they see before he could be Lord, he had to be the Lamb. And before he could be the King, 
He had to be the lamb. How do I know that's a lie? Jesus never sinned. I believe that. The Word of God says, For we have not a high priest, Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our, our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. I believe the Word of God. I believe He was tempted but not taken. Why are so many failing? If you could, Eric, pull up, pull up that piece or this, that little picture about field dirt. I've got sinking sand. I've got shifting sand, the tides, and all these the cultural things that are coming, and you need to be built on the rock. How many of you have ever built a house before, done any type of excavation or leveled? How many of y'all? So what you do is this, is that you... Big Dave, what we do is we bring in field dirt if we've got a low place, right? Now, this is simple enough. And if you do not compact that field dirt, and you'll see signs that says field dirt wanted, it's because they've got a low place. I want to use this in a little play on words today. And why are so many, whether it's the church or whether it's our own life, why are we failing? Why are we not able to stand? And Eric, in big words, feel dirt because today so many people's lives are built on feel dirt and we're built on how we feel and because of how we feel the circumstance that seems so dire at the moment then becomes our destiny instead of just a part of life it's not the end of life it's deeper I want you to process that because what hell wants you to believe is that life stops here. Oh my goodness, this is so bad. There's no way. And because of this circumstance and because of this situation, hell will tell you it's over, it's finished, it's done. And then we feel. I'm not going to ask who's ever had a tough day in their marriage. You're not the one I'm worried about. The one I'm worried about that says, no, I never had a tough day in my marriage. Those people concern me. I want to stop right here. Have I got any powders in the house in your marriage? Have I got any powders? Somebody says, what's a powder? You did that last time, Martina. You're really quick. Have I got any powders? Well, that's okay. I just want to talk. Any powders? Yeah. And he wants to do whatever he can. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. What's wrong? We're out of mayonnaise. It's not that bad. What's wrong when you see people crying in the grocery aisles? What's wrong? They recalled Jeff. My goodness. It's not that bad. I got anybody in here remembers Big Chief peanut butter? I got anybody in here remembers commodity peanut butter? I remember it. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Thank God for commodity peanut butter and powdered eggs. If it hadn't been for that for about three years, Bobby, I don't know where we'd been. And thank God for ketchup to go on those powdered eggs. Somebody said, what do you mean, that peanut butter? You'll know that kind of peanut butter. You peel it back and there's about this much grease. You can do your bangs in it. I'm going to tell you something. It's over. 
It's peanut butter. But we build on field dirt. And what happens is that when you build on what you feel, you cannot stand. And I'm going to assure you, there's some things that may not get better. There's some things that, listen, that it may not happen this way or that way, but I will tell you, there's going to be an end to that and a beginning to Him like you've never seen Him before. But we build on feel. It's over. It's done. I'm sick of her. She's sick of me. She's sick of this. She's sick of that. You're sick. (sighs) I literally, guys, I'm telling you, Man, we're building on feel instead of faith that I say this so often. And we are falling because Christians, listen to me, I just don't feel, I don't feel like that's the church. Why do you feel like that's not the church for you? Well, when I leave there, I feel rotten. You don't have to leave the same way you came. If you'll give that to Jesus, you can live the leave this place free in Jesus' name. I don't know if I'm ever going back. Why? He knows what's going on in my life. I had a guy one time tell me, boy, he stared me down. It's in the service. He stared me down. He'd come in, and I know he'd, he'd, he'd pretty pretty bad on alcohol. He stared me down the whole time. I was preaching and I said this. I'll never forget this. Years ago I was preaching even. I was out there and I was preaching and I said I know that the devil's here today. I know he's trying to keep you in that seat. I know he's trying to do this. And the de- How many of y'all believe that the devil, he's he, he going to do what he can do. Now when I say he's, he's, he's not omnipresent like God but I'll guarantee you he, he want to hold back. That man after service, he come in pretty good sized fella. He come up and he said I said hey buddy I said what's wrong? And I'm thinking, he's getting ready to have a fit. And I said, what's wrong? He said, he said, I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of you. He said, I got tired of you calling me the devil. I said, sir, I don't recall calling you the devil. He said, no, you said the devil was here today. He looked at me and I said, buddy. I said, listen, he ain't just here, but if he's in you, he can get cast out today through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can leave this place different. Well, 'er. dirt. We build our marriages on field dirt. We build our ideologies on field dirt. We raise our kids on field dirt. I don't feel like doing my homework. Do your homework. Homework's not an option. Parents, you all should shout the house down right now and say, thank you, Brother Wayne. Raising our kids on field dirt. I don't feel like cleaning my room. I don't feel like putting my shoes up. Can I tell you? Let me preach some life. You don't want to pick them shoes up? You're either going to pick them up out of the floor or you're going to pick them up out of the yard. By the way, I'm talking to somebody today. (laughs) Building on field art, our homes, our churches. And listen, here it is. Turn to somebody and say, how does that make you feel? 
By the way, if you've ever been in my office, let me tell you what you've probably never seen. I don't think there's a Ward 1 hanging on my wall. I don't think that there's anything in there that says I have a psychology degree. And you say, Brother Wayne, we don't need to go in there to figure that out. I don't spend my life with you to say, how do you feel? There's times that you're going to feel anxious. There's times you're going to feel rejected. There's times you're going to feel angry. There's times that you're going to feel jealous. There's times you're going to feel lost even when you're saved. There's times that you're going to feel depressed and oppressed even when the joy is still there in your soul. What I'm telling you is quit listening to the enemy and start believing God for the mighty works that He's going to do in your life. Quit building on field earth. Almost done. Can I have five more minutes? Thank you. The growing number. I want to use the word numb and number. What's going on? Church success is built on the numbers. How many come? It doesn't matter how they leave. It's just how they come. See, I'm not concerned about you getting here. I'm concerned about you getting there. And the foundation that you choose to build on will have to be more than Sunday morning attendance. It'll have to be more than that. Because then, what is the foundation the other six days of your life? A, good, a very good friend of mine once told me, I asked, I said, have you been reading your Bible? He said, oh, I, I got a little Bible devotion deal that, that comes up on my phone every day. I said, that's not what I ask you. That's not what I ask you. Now, you right now are going to, he's not going to do that. I'm going to do that. Read your word. And nobody will have a problem reading you. You read this word and you believe this word. And when people look at you and they know you, they'll know that by the truth that lives in you and that the Jesus Christ, the Jesus that's in you, they'll know who you stand for. The numbers. What are you talking about the numbers? Feeling. Why are we so numb? Because people stay in the same position all the time. Church people, we're the worst at it. I said church people, we're the worst at it. You come in, we come in, we sit. We do that. How many of y'all ever been sitting in a place, you sat there so long, your leg fell asleep? And then how many of you, the phone rang and you got up and your leg was asleep and you fell flat on your face? That's what's going on with the church. We become numb. We've stayed in the same place. We think that this is it. This is not it. Out there is it. That's who we're called to. How do you know? You lose feeling. You lose feeling. And it's not by chance, guys. It's not by chance. You're so desensitized. Why? Because, listen, it used to be something when this happened or that happened, but now it's all happening. And you're so desensitized that now there's all this bombarding suit. And we're like... become numb which foundation are you building on turn to somebody and say stay in touch so you don't get out of touch stay in touch five of you help me out here stay in touch so you don't get out of touch so when you see a friend you'll say stay in touch Hope I never see them again. Stay in touch. This is what the church, you've got to hear this. Stay in touch so you don't get out of touch. 
Do you hear me? Let me show you what I'm talking about. Jesus said this in Matthew 8 and 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him. He touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leper was cleansed. Matthew 8, 14 and 15. And when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law's laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. He touched her. At the transfiguration, Logan, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, as Jesus is this bright, shining light, we got Moses and Elijah. And man, if I was Peter and John and James, I'd be like, man, this is crazy. What do we do? I'd be that way. I'd be like, man, what's going on? That's Jesus, and he's lit up. And surely they were scared. And Elijah, most believe in Moses, representing the law and the prophets, but in my estimation, also what was, and then prophecy of what is to come. Jesus came and touched him and said, Arise and be not afraid. Almost done. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus. Only. I wrote this down. I'll close with this if you'll give me another three minutes. Sometimes you've got to reach out and touch him. Just as much as he reached out and touched others and they were healed. Their scriptures in Mark 6.56 is one example of people reaching out and touching him. We're familiar with the woman who touched the hem of his garment. The Lord of God said, And whithsoever he entered into villages or cities in the country, they laid sick in the streets and they besought him that if they might just touch it, if it were the border of his garment. And it says this, Lisa, Lisa, and as many as touched him were made whole. If he were here today, and he is, let me ask you something, and I want you to be real with me, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to say that, that you may be here and you need salvation. You may be here and you need deliverance. You may be here and you need restoration. You may be here and you need the cure. You may be here and you need, listen, you think you need relief from the anxiety, but there's a cure for that. There could be all kinds of things that we we may need. I need to be healed from the rejection. And the thing is, before you can be healed of something, you know you, you need to understand you got it. So if I were to put that in a very broad spectrum today, Kathy, if I were to put that up very broadly, cast a very large net, I'm going to ask it this way. How many of you, now we're going to be real, How many of you need Jesus today to do something in your life? Would you slip your hand up unashamedly? Please, unashamedly. All of you need Jesus. Come on, Amy. I know. Well, you better get yours up because I know I need him to do something. I'm not done. How many of you need Jesus to do something for you today? You've got a situation in your life that you need him to do something. Let me ask you this. If you raised your hand, how many of you believe that he can? Now, this is where it gets tougher. How many of you believe that he will? Sometimes, you've got to get out and touch him. You've got to get out and touch him. What's my foundation? Do you know faith? Do you know that a simple step? Do you know that, Stephen, that just a step? Do you know it takes faith to walk a step? That when you do that, there's air underneath. That there's nothing under there, but yet I'm stepping. 
they're getting to that place today and you say, well, I need something from him today. Can I tell you this? Let's, let's, don't, let's don't go to the great physician and say, you know what? And the thing is you say, you know, I, I got this, I got that. Can I tell you that he reads you better than the greatest of doctors, than the greatest of physicians? He already knows before you walk through the door, he's like, I know what's wrong with him. And you're coming in, you're saying, well, I got, I got this and I got that. And he's like, yeah, you got that, but here's what you really got going on. You know what I want to do today, Larry? If it's okay, I'd like to just be part day I'd like to come to him and I want to just touch the hem of his garment and I want to touch him and I want to say Jesus I need you I need you I don't ever want to get into a place to where my faith or my thoughts or my relationship with him is narcissistic and so religious that I become so calloused Watch this. Amy, do you believe that I need him? Yes. I was going to say for what, but I'm not going to let you have the mic. I'm going to reach out. You say in what, Rick, in what? He's my foundation. I'm not going to build on a flimsy piece of nothing. I'm going to go to the rock that's higher than I. I'm going to go to the rock that's, that's, that's quenched. Miss Linda, that's quenched my thirst in a weary land. Shannon, I want to go to the God that saved me and set me free. I want to go to the Father that seen this old prodigal coming years ago when he was in the pig pen. And he said, that's my boy. I'm waiting. I want to go to the one that knows me better than I know myself. I'm going to come to him today. You may be here, and you know what? All over the house. Eh, if I go up there, people will think. People will, people will think. Can I tell you? They're going to think whatever they want to think. Because just as many people, when you come up here, and they see a husband and wife come here, oh, they're having, oh, they're thinking they're having trouble. Can I tell you what? I don't care what people think about me anymore. I want to declare what God knows about me. So I'm going to tell you this. I'd be more on the side of this. What are they going to think if you don't come up here? What? Why did he do that? I just did. And I'm done. Lord, I love you. Holy Ghost conviction come that God today we can declare to you that we're a needy people. And that God, even the, even the ones in here that are saved people, God, and we've already declared we're overcomers. But God, we want to continue with that momentum. That Father, today it may be as simple as something just saying that God, you're the God that's more than my anxiousness. You're the God that, that has complete power and divinity over my body. That you're able to heal me. That God, you're the one that can restore. And whatever that it may be on your list right now, you're my foundation. You may be here for the first time. <clears throat> Don't let that hold you back. You may be here today and say, you know what? My mom and dad raised me. I know about Jesus, but I can't say that I've ever been born again, been saved, given my life to Jesus. This would be your time to come. 
And it starts by saying, Lord, we've all sinned and come short of the glory. I was born a sinner, but I don't want to die a sinner. I want you to save me and set me free. Nobody's looking around, but I'm going to ask this to the married couples that are in this place. Your husband, your wife's probably not even looking. Don't cheat. Raise your hand if you say, you know what? My marriage needs some help. Watch my hand. No, you ain't looking, but my hand's up. God, I need some help in my marriage. Somebody said, what are you doing? How many of you believe in preventive medicine? Huh? Watch this. How many of you say, Lord, I need you. I got a prodigal that's away from home and hell's tugging real hard. Would you lift your hand? Then what we're going to do, as you're confessing, as you're coming up here, God's already moving wherever they're at. Who's ever couched their home, whatever pig pen they're in, God's going to be moving. God, today, by the steps of faith that we take, and we're going to walk by faith, not by sight, even as we come, God, I believe you're going to be answering the prayer. I believe you're going to be doing that. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen and amen. Those of you that will, come on. Come on. Come on right now. Now you can be seated for just a moment. Now I'm going to give you the message. Will you give me one minute? Turn to somebody and say, why do you keep giving the devil the key to your apartment? I'm going to say it again. Why do you keep giving the devil the key to your apartment? Let's talk about your foundation for just a moment before you leave. I'll make it quick. Sin eats away at the foundation of your soul. It's not so much even a question if you're lost or saved so much as it just... In the totality, it just robs you of power and authority at the least. Sin robs you of the divine relationship that God intended for you to have. I want to get this right, okay? I believe the Lord gave me this. And sin continues to eat away at your foundation. I'll read it. To whom or what you grant access, say access, you are also giving authority. Sin, when you sin, you're giving the devil access, not only access into your life, but you're giving him the authority. The enemy gains authority by the sin, which is his access. Be careful who you give your keys to. In the world, when relationship is getting more serious, one gives the other a key to his or her place. Not bound by the covenant of marriage, but it's seen as the next step. The thing that happens is that you've been dating Satan for a while and he wants more. Meaning this, meaning that you can come over and that you can live together and it's this, that when you sin, you're giving the devil the key to your apartment. He will not just come over, he wants to take over. Access leads to authority. Not only have you now entered into a covenant with sin, but you've entered into a covenant with Satan. That's very forthright, and I find it to be very true. To what level, preacher? I think I want you to look at your own life. I can tell you this, that sin corrupts. Sin will corrupt you. 
Not only will it corrupt the way that you think, it will corrupt the way that you act and what you do. Turn to somebody and say, I'm getting my keys back from the devil. It's going to be a fight. Take them keys back. You're wondering why? That's why. Quit blaming it on the devil. You gave him the keys. All right, that's enough. You know what we're going to do? We're going to praise the Lord right now. Can we praise him right now and thank him for a wonderful day in him? I love you. Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is king. Thank you.